Star Wars Legacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at Cage Club. So for all things podcasts, movies, music, media, and more, head on over to cageclub.me or like, subscribe, and follow on all of your favorite social media and podcasting services. And this is ForceLegacy.html, The Clone Wars. Yay. I find myself looking back on the fact that, like, we're in season three. Like, we're in season three. And we're finishing season two and then part of season three because there's watch orders all over the place. But, you know, we've really watched, like, two full seasons. And, like, I'm really starting to get what Clone Wars is. Yeah, I really feel like we are getting somewhere in all of this, even though I know we still have so much more to go. And in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for how much more we have to go because I feel like for everything we've seen, we haven't seen a lot in some ways. I've met a whole lot of new Jedi, for which I'm grateful, you know, septuple the number of women in the original trilogy. But I feel like there's been a lot of meander. I get what you mean. There's been a lot of action and adventure, but there haven't really been a lot of major events. Any major victories or losses have really been quickly swept past. It's hard to feel like either side has really gotten any major ground in this war so far. And I can't tell if I would be more annoyed by not having seen major things and them just like dropping them in or that this isn't doing more like it's an interesting line of how do we straddle existing canon and evolve canon and I'm excited to see where things go because I feel like we're standing at the precipice of what could be a really amazing animated series it's definitely getting its build up going because for all the ways that this is an original animated series it's also a Star Wars show and it has to balance the needs of that I feel like the two sets of episodes we watched for this episode generated some of the most unique internal materials that didn't feel like they were drawing directly on something from the film. And the first round of episodes that we discussed definitely draw incredibly heavily from the films. For this episode, we're going to be discussing on the Star Wars Clone Wars chronological watch list order entries 42 through 47 the first episode we're going to be discussing is season two episode 20 death trap which features an appearance by a little baby boba fett and you know like so as soon as they introduced the clone kids i was like "Ooh, clone kids i love the idea of clone kids they play against the idea of the younglings adorably okay this one has bad hair this one's bad the bad hair makes him bad oh the you mean long hair one lucky who turned out to be boba boba t You can't just say bad hair. Some people like that kind of hair bear. And I appreciate that. But I think his hair here, like, it's space greasy. You know what I mean? I don't think the sour puss he has on the entire time helps. You know, uh, you can't blame the actor either because this was an animator's choice that they chose to have Boba Fett's character have that, like, sour little incriminating suspicious puss this entire episode. I would have assumed he was at least evil, if not, you know, probably Boba Fett, because that was my first thought as soon as I saw one of these. I was like, oh, okay, they, they, they have young clones, because that's a story that we definitely want to come back to. And we did. These episodes actually came out around the 30th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back, which is what many consider the full debut of the character Boba Fett, which is really cool, since we are doing this episode around the 40th anniversary of 
of Empire Strikes Back. And with the recent news that Tamara Morrison will be reprising the role of, well, I guess not reprising the role of Boba Fett. It's all very confusing because they're clones and stuff, but the guy who played Jango is coming back to play Boba. So that's um, a lot of Empire Boba Fett stuff this year. Very cool. And before we can get more into how amazing the clone kids were in this episode, I just want to like point out early on in the episode, there's this moment where Mace Windu is like, and I'm Mace Windu. And Anakin comes in and is like, and shut the fuck up, I'm Anakin Skywalker. And I couldn't figure out why they went so far out of their way to have Anakin like super cut Mace Windu off in front of the clone kids. I thought that was a little choice. Also, I'm really attracted to the Scots dude. I forget his name, but Scott Sibaldi. Killian, I think. Yeah, Killian. All about it. Real into him. He was super cool. Something I was not into, and it's, uh, you know, complaint that we've already made about watching this in the chronological order is the fact that we, as chronological viewers, really have no idea who the hell Aura Singh is. I discovered that apparently she was a background character featured first in Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. She was a character that had been conceived to just, you know, sort of be a background figure who they decided to develop further into this bounty hunter character who first appeared in Season 1, Episode 22, which we still have not flipping watched yet. So whatever big dramatic thing they were going for to reveal that Aura Singh was working with Boba Fett didn't really mean much to us. And I think part of it is like, you know, we were, as we were watching it, we were like, oh, I wonder who she's talking to. I kind of hope it's Ventress. And it didn't occur to us that it could be another new female character just because of the famous dearth of female characters in Star Wars. But I don't know. There were things about the way this bit played out. I felt like Boba Fett moved too unfettered around the ship in a way that made the clones and Jedi look foolish. This little kid is just blowing shit up and like the nearly Laurel and Hardy levels of don't trip the wire, trip the wire, don't trip the wire that Mace Windu had. Like everybody seemed a little silly that this kid and this woman with bad Wick Divine makeup is kicking everyone's ass. Yeah, I really feel the same way on all of that. This episode was directed by veteran Stuart Lee and written by Buffy veteran writer Doug Petrie, who I feel is best known for loving to write Faith episodes of the show. And this is his only episode of the entire series. I don't know. I think there are things that I liked about it. I thought it was cool to see uh, young clones and how they interact with each other. I think it's really interesting that production-wise, this comes before the very early episode that we have already seen with the clone cadets. So from a production standpoint, we are seeing much younger clones interact before we're seeing the older ones. And I can't help but think, okay, so like animation is directed more than it's written, I I would say, you know, because animation takes so long to develop and you can fix dialogue to a scene, but you can't fix a scene to dialogue. I have to assume this episode was structured before Doug Petrie came in and started writing on it, but there is something so clunky about this episode that the kid is able to take take down clone troopers. And like, I, I get that Boba Fett is special, but is he special at eight? And if he is, should we know? And here's the thing. Exactly how quote unquote special is Boba? As far as we know, based on episode two, he is simply a genetic clone of Jango Fett who isn't undergoing the sped up aging process. You're just a clone too. So when you abandon your I, I was going to say fellow cadets and yeah kind of you were with them for a short period and they are no less 
descended from your father than you are. I get that they want to follow up on the narrative thread of Boba being traumatized, seeing Jango killed by Mace Windu, but I feel like the way they go about it doesn't really endear either Boba or Mace to us. A lot of Mace's actions in this little three-episode arc, not a fan. Well, and before we can get to those, I just thought that Boba Fett was so foolish being like, oh, what do you mean you don't really want to help me, senseless murderer? Like, he just also came off dumb for a guy who just took down a bunch of Jedi and clone troopers. But yeah, especially in the next episode, Mace Windu being very, nah, your droid's a dumbass. Like, what the fuck, Mace? The next episode is season two, episode 21, R2 Come Home, which is an adorable title, directed by Giancarlo Volpe and written by Johan Mahoney. This is episode three of four for him. His first episode chronologically comes last, and his last episode chronologically comes first. (sighs) I hate that. I also don't know how I feel about this episode as a whole. I think that it just raises further questions for me as to how powerful R2-D2 is. You know, I get the Lassie come home parallels that you're going for, but R2 fought a Gundark, and then he fought off a bunch of bounty hunters, and then he raced across the galaxy. Like, I thought I was as pissed off as I could be when Emperor Palpatine rode R2-D2. Like Kathy and a Jimmy on a vacuum in Hocus Pocus. I hearken back to this issue of Daredevil by Frank Miller, where Foggy Nelson, like, convinces the Kingpin that he's a badass. And Kingpin's like, oh shit, this this Foggy Nelson, this Guts Nelson over here is gonna kick my ass. And, like, that's kind of what this feels like. R2-D2 is sort of like the schlubby droid who's like, meep, moop, meep, meep. It's my episode now, motherfucker. And, like, I just don't get it. But it's not even that because he has rockets. He has the rockets and he's got like little zappy lasers. What happens to his rockets? I'm going to need an explanation because he has them in episode three, if I recall. So I'm going to need an explanation. And like, I I don't know. I just felt like obviously they were going to be found. This isn't going to be where Mace Windu dies. But okay, so we've had a lot of questions about like force moving shit. And I understand that. But now I have to know. So Mace is like, oh, we're trapped. So Anakin's like, ha ha ha, force throw things. And Mace is like, idiot, I tried that. And I just want to be like, okay, so move. Moving the wreckage is going to break the wreckage. Why can't you lift the wreckage slightly enough to get yourself out and put another piece of debris in your place to hold it up? If you're so powerful that you can move this wreckage with finesse, why can't you move this wreckage with finesse? I mean, to a degree, I see where you're coming from and I agree. I think, you know, when you're getting hit in the face with spaceship wreckage, I'm going to allow for maybe your psychic powers are a little bit too tired right now. I'm personally more annoyed by what a dick Mace Windu was throughout this episode. His snide little comments about R2-D2 and don't be a dick because I know you're going to get your arm cut off and thrown out a window and I want to be sad about that. So like, and I don't know that I think this three-parter feels quite as organic as I would have liked because it is sort of a three-part arc. And once Plo and Ahsoka come in, it kind of throws me off a little bit because I find myself so angry at the number of amazing Jedi that are just excluded from the films because now they're here. And now Plo did save Anakin that time. And now Anakin should be like, you know what? This Mace Windu guy, not so bad. Emperor Palpatine suddenly has dark force powers 
years. Maybe he's bad, but this Mace Windu guy, there was that time we were pinned in that basement and that robot had to come save us, you know? You know. I get you. I think there are some definite points to be made about the interpersonal relationships of these characters. In that same vein, I was very surprised to see that Anakin was surprised that Mace Windu executed Jango Fett, especially because Anakin recognizes the name enough to refer to him as the clone template. Uh, And yet he's surprised to learn that Mace is the guy who killed him. And you just gotta kind of wonder how that's not a bigger deal. Oh, all of our army people are this one guy? Hey, has anybody ever noticed how this one other guy that hangs out with all of our army guy killed the guy that all of the army guy are the army guy of? Do you think anyone ever might get pissed off about that? Maybe that's why Palpatine does it. And Anakin, they're just like, for the clones! I also can't tell if I, like, am amused by the line at the end where Ahsoka is like, oh, you're just gonna have a few mild burns. Is that funny? Do we laugh at that? I, I I don't know. Anakin and Vader are such complicated characters, man. I would laugh at it as much as somebody giving him an hourglass. I also loved R2 shoving the other astromech out of the way when he needed to deliver his message. Like, that's what I'm saying. That is like that. That's the bunhead's hair pull in the hallway moment. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Don't get me wrong. I love all of the personality and agency and ability that they give to R2 as a character. But like... Like, you need to be able to account for the fact that he couldn't fly around and carry people in the original trilogy somehow. Speaking of things I would like someone to account for, Aura Singh's antenna head thing, I don't, I, it's, I, I want to play ring toss. I don't like it. I wish I had something for you, but I don't, I don't get it either. Like, I want to find out it's based on, like, a child fan's character drawing and, or it was dedicated to someone George Lucas really loved with a brain antenna or something something but i just want to like snap it off the only other information that i have about that sketch by doug chang is that it was titled babe fett good god and you know i also like that this three-parter saw the return of hondo mm, we love hondo i was surprised to find out they had a connection but i guess i shouldn't be surprised i don't know if it's that hondo is in smuggler's run and there's little moments like in episode 22 when ahsoka goes to run after aura singh and hondo lowers his man's gun to stop his man from shooting after Ahsoka but I actually really like Hondo so finding out that he was connected to Aura Singh world's most annoying annoyer was you know annoying And on that note, this episode, Season 2, Episode 22, the finale of Season 2, titled Lethal Trackdown, was directed by Dave Filoni and co-written by Dave Filoni and Drew Z. Greenberg. That's a series wrap on DZB, by the way. Um, I don't love that the opening narration started with the title of the episode, because the title of the episode is a bit dramatic in the first place. So to hear the announcer guy scream out, Lethal Trackdown! Okay. Well, it's like when they shouted, this is a death trap in the episode after death trap. And I was like, it's like that time on Buffy an episode was called get it done. And then in another episode, they say get it done. And I'm like, but that's the other episode. Yeah, I found that annoying too. Wow. So much Buffy this episode. It's a lot of Buffy and Boba. It's true. I liked a lot of this episode, to be honest. I really do love anytime they focus on Ahsoka. I think she's just like, I don't know. Those first few episodes, I really didn't like how she was written like an adult's version of a teen 
teenager, but her characters come into its own. There's like stuff where I'm kind of like, fine, she's playing dumb, but she's such a dynamic character. She's exciting to follow and Plo is awesome looking. I don't understand why Plo is allowed to just be like, I'm taking Ahsoka. Like, I don't think that's how Padawans work, but I get that Anakin probably doesn't particularly care either. It's like a library book or a flesh jack. You just share it with your buddies. I think, you know, I'd been nervous that Ventress was going to be the watcher that Boba was talking to early on because like it didn't sound like her. So then it's this other character, it's Aura Singh, and I really like her. And I appreciate the number of villains they're giving our heroes. Something that I've complained about is I thought early on that it was going to be very paired off, paired off this bad guy to that bad guy, this bad guy to that bad guy. And I am grateful that there's so many bad guys. I don't feel like, oh no, that's that's Obi-Wan's bad guy. I'm willing to see the dynamics of these relationships play out. Mm, a lot of different people face off against different people at different points in time. Like I think in this episode, there's a very specific attempt to show parallels between the relationships between Master Plo and Ahsoka versus Aura Singh and Boba Fett with, you know, this master apprentice taking care of this youngling uh, relationship. I don't, I didn't, I, I don't really get Aura Singh's motivations. She seems very intensely invested in Boba, especially a lot in this episode and like taking care of him, which like, it's weird that she was like, Boba, you can murder, but you can't drink. Well, and then as soon as shit gets hard, she's like, gotta go GTG. Yes, exactly. And then as soon as like the threat gets real, she's like, all right, I'm going to abandon you now. What? She just throws up her away message and steps AFK. I do think it's weird now in retrospect, realizing this was a season finale, how little Anakin there was in this. But I did love everything that we got with Ahsoka and seeing her abilities developed. I liked seeing more of Coruscant's underworld. I forgot to mention that it was really cool to see Slave 1 and then even cooler in this episode, see it get fucked up by Ahsoka. And you know, I feel like Boba Fett was one of my biggest turnoffs going into Star Wars. Like, I never cared for the idea of the character. I never cared for the design, really. I thought Mandalorians were, like, represented as the Deadpool of the Star Wars universe. All punchy-punchy and shooty-shooty, and I just didn't understand who this character was to Jedi or Empire that he made a difference. And there have been so many little pot shots at the Fett family throughout this series where there's all of this like uh he's not a real mandalorian he's just a bitch face that stole my mask kick him in the teeth no space kevlar what's space kevlar called again beskar beskar it's such a cool name i completely forgot and i think between this the mandalorian and the other stuff going on during this point with satine my understanding of who boba fett is kind of parallels almost the emperor in some weird ways like the emperor is the sith who are the perversion of of the Jedi, and Boba Fett is kind of like a perversion of what a Mandalorian is supposed to be. A Mandalorian has honor, and occasionally, what's their death watch on the moon? But, like, they're not schmucks. I was glad to see the reintroduction of the character overall, and I'm curious to see where it goes. I don't know if we're ever going to see him again in Clone Wars. I imagine we have to see him at some point, because this episode pretty much ends with Boba saying to Mace Windu, I'm never going to forgive you, and Mace saying, you're going to have to. And that's it. End of season, I guess. Well, and he was taken into custody, which I find, like, how does, like, I mean, obviously he just gets out of custody at some point, you know, every now and then in comics, they're like, no, it's impossible, Venom can't be out of jail, and I'm like, no. 
well, I mean, he's an alien homicidal maniac. Let's not split hairs. Happens every day. Happens every day. So, like, you know, Boba Fett just gets Boba freed, and then he goes on a Boba kill spree. But, you know, at this point, other than finding Jango Fett damn hot, I don't really understand what the Fets are other than clone templates and bad at being Mandalorians? So the next episode that came out in production order, the season three premiere, actually is the episode I was referencing earlier where we see the clone cadets interact, but because of this chronological watch order, we have already covered that one. Season three, episodes one and three were covered by us in HTML episode 87. We will be covering episodes two and four next episode of HTML, and because we are doing it in this bizarre chronological watch order, the next episode we will be discussing on the chronological watch order list entry number 45 season 3 episode 5 corruption featuring predominantly Padme and Duchess Satine I love me some Satine I think she's just fucking great her name is gonna get to me forever but like this was very sisters are doing it for themselves I thought that the two storylines seemed pretty disparate until they were like no 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 poison tea killing kids and then I was like oh poison tea killing kids and uh, you know I guess from Boba Fett to Boba Tea I think this episode's fun and interesting and I love everything about Mandalore but like I almost wish this was a miniseries unto itself like I just wish this had a different name almost I love that when you saw the episode title you thought that it said consumption then I was like no this actually does have Satine in it so that's very funny that you think it says consumptions I think it's hilarious that Annie and Obi's girlfriends are friends like why not um you know, I, I I agree. I love the sisters are doing it for themselves vibe. And I love these characters. This episode didn't completely land for me. It wasn't my least favorite by any means. I don't know. I'm really just over corruption episodes in Star Wars because I really feel like they're not getting us anywhere. I feel like it's just a dog chasing its tail at this point. And Star Wars loves to play with this moral of overconfidence is a weakness, but then they don't exactly land it completely you know well and like i feel better that we're seeing a different government be corrupt at least it's like mandalore's government is corrupt and it's not just why the fuck are we saving the republic at this point burn the bastard but then it feels like there is no competent government in this entire galaxy you know i'm gonna say something a little meh but i guess you know the empire is not so bad at being a subjugating horror show like if what you're going for is horror show empire of subjugation they're very good at it. I suppose you have a point. Like, I don't want to see people eat people, but like, if I were going to grade the quality of eating people, I would put Hannibal above Buffalo Bill. That checks out. So, like, in the grand scheme of subjugating intergalactic empires that seek to destroy all hope, the Empire is very competent at what it does. And therein lies the problem. You know what else is a problem? For Satine, it's poisoning kids with soft drinks. Was there sort of like an Obama-era stop drinking soft drinks? This is a child's drink because it's the size of a small liquefied child. Like, was this what they were going for here? Yeah. You know, and I feel like it could have even been around the same time that that Parks and 
and Rec episode happened where they were going off about kids drinking soda. They were always going off about kids and sugar, which, you know, you should be. But I definitely would imagine that that had some influence, whatever was going on in the media at the time, on this story. And, like, Mandalore seems to have some weird problems. Number one, they're like, oh, it's impossible to be poisoning kids at the school. We control everything. Oh, except that one drink. Oh, I guess they're getting poisoned through that drink. But there was no poison plot here. It was a double your tea plot using slabin, this additive that when mixed... Okay, so they talk about it two different ways. They're like, oh, if you use it in exactly the wrong amount with the tea, it's killing the kids. But at first they're like, oh, you have to use it precisely right. Like, maybe the scientist was just really bad at his additives. I'm not like on the side of the bad guys here. But these episodes, they just were kind of like, the bad guys have better logic than this, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's probably even part of what threw me about this episode. I found the plot, the evil plot, deeply confusing. And, you know, like, there was all of this stuff with the guy being like, no, you didn't see that. You couldn't have seen that. I'm the prime minister and it is absolutely impossible. But they were fucking there. And why did they not, I don't know, like take pictures or something? They plotted this whole thing out where they were doing this big espionage thing to catch them bringing in the shipment and like didn't even take fucking pictures or anything. Even the kids in the next episode just coincidentally have a camera and are able to take video that's incriminating. Like the next episode, someone's able to do that. Which I think kind of plays back into the whole, it wasn't expected to be a poisoning situation. Like this was such a, oh, we think it's this thing, but it's that thing. But we think it's this thing, but it's that thing. The highlight of the episode for me was when Padme and the guards moved those cargo shipment containers as like a bulwark. And then she just started shooting at people. I'm like, Padme, girl, you're aiming for my heart here. So I definitely never thought that Ahsoka was turning on these kids. That was never a problem problem in this episode obviously I was just more confused as to how everything was going to play out like I didn't know if the entire thing was a goddamn training exercise to be like teaching the kids about corruption and who they can't trust literally even when people were getting electrocuted I was like this could all still be a test because this is all so fucking stupid and you know the shock collar could have been like a dramatic performance shock collar it could have been fake yeah but so then she just like throws the shock collar on the prime minister oh my god and I I just want to be like, okay, I know that's not what's happening, but this is vaguely like if Kit Fisto just threw a shot collar on the Emperor and was like, well, shut the fuck up. Like, I was flabbergabbed. Yeah, it's that kind of thing that you don't really want to root for, but you're going to anyway. I was, as always, mildly amused by the ending with Ahsoka saying to Anakin that she didn't do anything that he wouldn't have done, even though Anakin would not have led children in rebellion he would have murdered them and then overthrown the government, but that's fine. Wait, don't forget, if we don't know who's in this hologram, we can use this boopy scanner and scan him and then we'll know who the guy in the hologram is and we should just do that to the bad guy running this separatist Uh, movement. Maybe we'll find out he's Sheevesy. Sheevesy Palpatine. Yeah, I was just going to glide past the existence of that technology where they were like, let me hold this device up to this hologram and it'll make this shadowy figure suddenly have a face. If you have that technology, why has no one figured out that Sheev is Sidious? The fake teeth. Oh, that's like anti-facial recognition stuff that you do to your face. It's the teeth. 
Okay. And, you know, well, speaking of not knowing how Jedi minds work for even a second, Ahsoka's, like, so psychic this next episode. And I didn't know, I, like, I guess I knew Jedi were psychic, but, like, this Jedi, like, this is, like, she's extra. real psychic. This is real extra psychic. It's extra, yeah. I, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot. It's extra speaking. Our final entry for this episode, season three, episode seven, Assassin, was written by Katie Lucas and directed by Brian Dunleavy. And, um... Yeah, I I was excited at first. I thought we were going to learn more about Jedi psychic visions, and instead we just got a lot of more weird stuff. It also felt a lot like there's no reasonable way this wasn't at the end of season two. Like, these three episodes really kind of close out that Aura Singh and Boba Fett thing that started in season two. I thought the cat and mouse game of Ahsoka getting closer and closer to Aura and then Aura realizing that they switched Padme out. Like, the whole gambit was a lot of fun. But I honestly kind of thought this could have been like a five minute short better than it was a full episode. I loved the fake Padme droid as you you zoom in on it and it just looks like what's the maid's name from the Jetsons? Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. Like with the glowing mouth. That's hilarious. Um, I loved Ahsoka running into Padme's bedroom and Padme being so chill because frankly she's used to Jedi just running into her bedroom, jumping on her bed and waving their lightsabers around. I think she wouldn't sleep as well if it didn't happen. I was kind of thrown off a little bit by the fact that all on the Dalla talked about was the plot of episode one when she wasn't talking about how beautiful Alderaan is she was just like this is the Wikipedia summary for Phantom Menace starring Liam Neeson Obviously, for me, a really lovely touch when Padme landed on Alderaan was the use of Princess Leia's theme. I guess that's, in some ways, biologically, the first time Leia ever visited Alderaan. That's how eggs work, right? Back when she was just a mere force ovum. Yes. There really isn't a lot to this episode that isn't a foregone conclusion, but honest to goodness, I was super surprised that they captured Aura Singh as well. They got Aura Singh, they got Boba Fett, they've got Zero still who manages to show up for the last I have a vision about a big purple gay monster trying to make out with all of the guards I wonder what that is and because we finally have the missing episode where he was heavily featured from the end of season one coming up soon I believe we are probably going to be getting a little more Zero I think this was an introduction to getting more of this terrible offensive weird purple monster and Kevo until we return to talk more about Zero the Hat. Where can everybody find you online? That was really good and I hate it. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kevo Really, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And you can find our super cool, super fun, super inclusive superhero stories at KidRiotComics.com. Nico, where can the folks at home find you? You guys can find me all over this network on Mondays and Thursdays on X's for Podcast. Don't forget to look up Now and Again, my pop music podcast, which there's a great archive of as well as some new episodes coming up. You can also check me out on Instagram over at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And guys, until we come back, keep those kyber crystals lit. May the force be with you and also with your force ghost. I will get revenge on that terrible Padme. Thank you.